Hi, this is Glenn Delakian, host of Tandem Radio, the good news on business, heard every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Bridge FM or on the web. Thanks for joining us for a special series, Building a Kingdom-Minded Company. Whether you're a business owner or just starting your first job, our desire is that God would influence every part of your life, including your business world. Mark Griffin, president of In His Name HR, which provides human resources consulting for many organizations, brings some fantastic tools on faith and work through his 12-part series on building a company for God's glory. Let's join Mark and host D. Kovac for this segment on Building a Kingdom-Minded Company here at TandemRadio.com. Today we're talking with Christian business consultant Mark Griffin about his company, In His Name Human Resources. In His Name HR is leading business as a kingdom-minded company. During this 12-part series, Mark gives you the tools to prosper as a kingdom-minded company. Hi again, Mark. How are you? Hi, Dee. I'm excited to be here and and, uh, share with you my knowledge and human resources for all your listeners. Well, in the previous shows, we've talked about becoming a kingdom company and a kingdom-minded company. And now, today, in our third show, we are going to talk about the organizational mission. Mark, tell us about the organizational mission and how do we put that together? Well, Dee, the organizational mission is just so important to organizations, mainly because if you don't have a mission, nobody within the organization will really truly understand why they're there, what it is they do, and why they do it. The other aspect to it is If you don't have an organizational mission and it's not shared with your customers and your vendors, sometimes your customers and vendors can get a little bit confused on why your organization even exists. It's really something that's fairly simplistic to put in place, that's easy to do, that means a lot to the the stakeholders within the organization. But I can tell you my experience, it's something that many companies overlook and just don't do. Well, what about those people out there, and I've heard them myself, who have said, oh, a mission statement, an organizational statement, I, I, you spend a lot of time putting that together, and then nobody ever looks at it after you put it together. What about those people out there? Well, there's a couple things about that. I, I think a, a good mission is engaging and motivates people, and they get excited about it mainly because a good mission reflects your customer needs. It lets your customers know that you care about them and that you're in place for your customers. It's really the foundation of the organization of turning dreams into reality. So the fact that a mission just becomes a piece of paper or it doesn't mean much to many people is just because the approach to implementing the mission wasn't very effective. So... It's definitely not something that is going to be created and then shoved into a drawer somewhere. No, and that's where I come in. That's where my experience comes in because I've developed my whole uh, consulting system around accelerating mission, vision, and core values of an organization through the company, through the organization, through all the HR practices. that That's really my niche. That's really what I'm very good at because that's an aspect 
of management that I learned from fortune companies, from companies like Quaker Oats Company, from Merck Pharmaceutical Company, on how to ensure your mission, vision, and values is infused through your HR practices. Okay, well, let's take the step into putting together the organizational mission. What would people do in order to put that together? Because it is, as you said, speaking to both, excuse me, it is speaking to both the customer and the employees. What are the steps that you take to put that? Sure. First of all, um, the mission itself, so uh, your listeners are on, on the same page with me, is really a nut, in a nutshell, why your organization exists. That's that's really why uh, that that's what a mission states is what why your organization exists and, and what does it do uh, to perform against the expectations of the customer. So that's why you put it in place. That's the definition of, of the mission. But really, to start it is typically from the leader of the organization, the CEO. Sometimes a board of directors goes to uh, uh, the leadership of the organization and says, Let, let's d- define a mission. Let's have you define the mission. And the first step is really to get the leadership team, the executive presidents, to write out and sketch out what they believe the mission is for the organization. How long or how much time uh, should typically be spent or is spent in creating the organizational mission? That's what's real interesting. Uh, some companies take months. Uh, I've actually heard of companies taking years. I've heard of nonprofits and church environments taking years to create missions as well. I was listening to Bill Hybels the other day and uh, uh, from Willow Creek, and he was explaining that he was involved in a situation that, that took 18 months to, to come up with the framework of the mission. I just think that's that's an enormous amount of time, and that's really unnecessary I, I, I typically take a company through the development of a, including the mission, vision, and the values, and it just takes a few short weeks. But what it does take is a good facilitator taking ownership of the process to drive the process to completion. Um, that can be the determining factor and a leadership team that believes it's something that's really important. So I would say a few weeks. Uh, you can get a good process in place or a good document in place. Is it a paragraph? Is it a sentence? Is it what? How long should the mission be? A, a mission really should be just a few sentences. It, it should be a few sentences so that your customers, your vendors, your employees can become familiar with it and they can understand it and they can get to know it over a sustained period of time. It'd be great if you had a mission in place that your employees could memorize, not purposely, but over just reading it a couple times, they just start realizing exactly what the mission is and they, they could repeat it. I don't advocate them, you know, making their employees memorize it, but I think a good mission, people get used to it and they know what it is and they're able to, to articulate it to people. How do we make the mission 
an actual piece of the puzzle that people are referring to. It's something for the customers. It's something for people that you're doing business with. It's the suppliers that you may need to uh, be able to have access to. And it is for the employees, which we've spent a lot of time. But are you using this in marketing material? Or are you using Absolutely, this? Absolutely, D. I just love that question because it, it, it really helps me articulate that if you want it to live, if you want your mission to live, you must integrate it. If you don't integrate it, it will die. If you create it and you hang it on the wall and that's all you do, it will die. So you have to integrate it into everything that you do. Now, it's so important that it articulates what it is you do, if it's that important, then it should be included in everything that you do. So how do you keep it alive? Well, you build it into the HR practices. You put it in the front of the employee handbook. You have the president talk about the mission of the organization in the introductory to the handbook. This is why we exist. This is why we have our go-to-market strategy the way that it is, because it fulfills our mission. That's how you keep it alive. You put it in the handbook. You you build it into the job descriptions. We exist, and our job is to work against what the mission is to the organization. When it's in the job description and it's the first bullet, everybody in the organization will know what the mission is. You build it into the performance review process. What better way to make something happen than to hold people accountable to it? But I can tell you, most of your listeners and I'm sure with your business experience, most companies don't do that. They create a mission, they throw it on the wall, and then they don't hold anybody accountable to it. Well, how are you ever going to achieve your mission if you don't hold people accountable to it? You ingrain it into the culture. You build it into the newsletter. You, you print it out and you have it at the receptionist stand. You put it in all your product. When you mail out products, it's sent to your customers. It's a great way to communicate uh, to people about what your company's about. When people are creating their organizational mission, are there certain tactics that help them to hone in on and be more concise in their their mission? Because in my experience, I've seen people want to throw everything into the basket and say we're going to be this and we're going to be this and we want to make sure we do this is it a case of where people are thinking too much detail and they're not creating uh, a mission that is just a summation and that's exactly what it needs to be d it needs to be concise it needs to be focused and it's time for the leadership and it's time for the employees of the organization to get their arms around what it is that they're doing. You can't be all things to all people in this business environment. We're living in incredible, tumultuous business times. We need to be experts in what we're doing as business owners, or we're going to get beat by the competition. So it's a great time for the company to reflect on what are our products, what are our offerings, what are our customers, and let's narrow it down. Because if we have something that we're offering customers that we're not good at, we don't like to do, and it doesn't have a, a hope and a future for the organization, then you need to peel it out of your mission and stop doing it because you're going to drain resources of the company. You're going to demotivate employees. So it's a great time for companies to decide what it is they're going to do. I've walked business owners through this process, and they've realized, wow, 
I got to shun this part of the business. But I've also walked business owners through this process, and I get really excited about this, where I was facilitating with a group of hourly people, and they said, what about this program? Why don't we offer this to our customers? Why don't we offer this? It's so profitable. We don't do it as much as we can. When I brought it to the owners and to the leaders, they got excited and thought, we never really thought about that. And that's what I talk about building a kingdom-minded company. You include your hourly employees' input. They bring you beautiful, profitable ideas. You build that into the mission, and you grow and you prosper your organization, all because you're including all the people that God put into your organization to help make you prosperous. Does the mission ever change? Absolutely. It should change. But it should be in place for a sustained period of time, a couple years. I don't advocate redoing your mission every six months or every year. I've been with organizations that have done that. I think it should be done in a way that if a key leader leaves, it can still stay alive. Uh, that it has you bought you bought so many people into it that it can sustain itself even in the event some of the people leave the organization. Uh, but it should remain in place for, for several years. You've discussed missions that have been created in weeks and even on the further end of the spectrum where the weeks have turned into well over a year, which certainly seems to be excessive. What is, in your opinion, in your experience, the best way to make sure that you're going to be able to do it within a very reasonable period of time, where is it the mistakes that people have made in creating their mission that has belabored the process? Uh, it could be uh, the lack of commitment by the, the leadership that's driving the program that it could take several months to do. It could be the lack of resources within the organization to, to facilitate it, to get it done. Um, it could be politically it's difficult for that organization to get it created uh, because they don't have somebody within the organization that will put themselves at risk to facilitate what the mission is. It can be a hot potato. They know that there's three different leaders in that organization that has a different idea of what the mission should be. And that's what's really unique about myself is I can come into the organization to help them facilitate an agreeable mission without putting anybody at risk politically because I can talk about things and bring things forward to the different leaders without putting myself at risk because I don't have any political motivation except to come up with a finished mission that's acceptable to everyone else. So I, I really advocate to your listeners and the business leaders out there that if this is something that they want to do, that they bring in a good trained organizational development facilitator with the skills to do it because it'll go faster. It'll ultimately save them money in the long run and they'll get a much better product at the end. When we're talking with the business owners and they're listening to this show and they're thinking about their companies and they want to, they've made the commitment or made the decision within themselves to become a kingdom company, a kingdom minded company. And now we're, we're working on the mission. Uh, the mission isn't, like we said, just for the employees. It's for the people you're doing business with in the community. 
Uh, do you run into people who have a fear of putting themselves out there? Because as a kingdom company, they're going to be stating their beliefs in some way or form through their, their mission. Is that correct? I, I, absolutely. I, I advocate with the business owners that in the mission, vision, value statement itself, all three is typically on one sheet, that they say something about the company being founded on Christian principles or their Bible believers or their Christ followers or whatever the language is that fits that culture within that business and the ownership and the employees that you build that. That's part of being a kingdom-minded company. And you're right. I've had leaders, and especially as I, I get to know leaders and they're, and they're working with me, they're talking about bringing me in uh, to serve them, that they get a little bit nervous, like, wow, I'm actually going to tell my customers that we're uh, a company founded on Christian principles. Isn't that illegal? Am I allowed to do that? And, yes, they are allowed to do that. It's not illegal. What's illegal is telling people that they should believe something. It's illegal to force people into going to Bible studies. It's not illegal when you state that this is what the company was founded on because you're speaking a truth statement of of why it was founded. Now, from a business standpoint, many people will say, well, I don't want to offend customers, or we do business with people in the Middle East. We don't want to offend the folks in the Middle East. There's folks that are Jewish and Muslim and Hindu, and we're going to offend them. And I actually work with an organization for a sustained period of time where there were some salespeople that were adamant that if we released a mission, vision, and values that spoke to Christ, that we would offend people in the Middle East. To the contrary, it didn't offend anybody whatsoever. We implemented it. We put it out. We put it out on the website. We included it with some of the equipment that went all over the world. Nobody was ever offended. Quite frankly, there's a great report out from Barna that simply states, all things being equal, consumers will gravitate to a Christian-owned organization far greater than they will to a secular company. So if I'm going down the street and I know there's a company that is Christian-owned versus a secular-owned company, I'm more than likely going to gravitate and go to that Christian-owned organization to buy the product. Wow. Well, you've certainly given us a lot to think about, and I think that uh, as we move forward into our uh, next show, where you will be talking about the organizational vision, that just takes it another step further in, in these things in dealing with the employees and also the entire world through the Kingdom Company. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening. And Mark Griffin will be with us again in our next show, and he will be speaking of organizational vision for a kingdom company. We hope you join us. You've been listening to Mark Griffin of In His Name HR at Tandem Radio, the good news on business. Be sure to check out some of Mark's other segments at www.tandemradio.com. That's tandemradio.com. You can find out more about Mark and In His Name HR, as well as other shows and videos on our website. Also, be sure to tune in every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Bridge FM or the web. Thanks again for joining us for the good news on business.